Thank you, Renee. And I want to respect the, the time of our guest as uh, we engage with him today, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Alan was on a call here a while back and uh, really had a great impact uh, in that conversation. It resulted in four of our pastors who were a part of this online group uh, became uh, one of his uh, 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 care, soul care groups. And uh, so there was some really good spinoff last time. We wanted to have him back. Uh, I want to uh, get right into it today. I want to encourage you guys on the call to, uh, if you can prune your distractions and really engage for the next 30 minutes, I know you're going to get something blessed. You're really going to get a great blessing out of it. So uh, uh, let's get into it. Uh, Alan, uh, thank you for your new book, uh, Soul Strength. It is a critical issue for every pastor to master. And uh, and uh, that is a great resource that I hope um, all of our Solomon Connected pastors will have in their library before 2022 is over. I was asked to teach on Proverbs 5 on the consequences of uh, sexual sin this past Sunday to a bunch of senior adults. And uh, I, uh, I was outlining that passage and I went to your book, chapter six, and got some salient points to some great uh, insights and some great one-word sentences and uh and the the folks who were there said that was a home run and i felt half guilty because i thought the really good stuff in class this past sunday was stuff that i had to give you credit for but uh anyhow welcome alan good to have you i want to pick your brain today on uh, several things and so uh, let me let me get right into it and uh, ask you to, to talk to us in your work with pastors. Uh, you, uh, you referenced in your book a guy named Greg who saw himself as uh, farther down the line in terms of his effectiveness and his usefulness, his productivity. And, um, and he, uh, uh, you, you gave him some counsel to uh, go small, go slow, go strong. Tell us about your engagement with Greg, because I think a lot of guys on this call uh, maybe have times when they say, am I really stewarding my life like I should, my leadership as I should? And uh, so what would you say to, to those guys, these guys, us guys? Well, I'd say welcome to the uh, fraternity of the frustrated uh, that's uh, every pastor on planet Earth, uh, no matter the size. I've um, experienced uh, churches, uh, the range, you know, from uh, dozens to thousands. And I could tell you, uh, my friends in even larger churches still, nobody's ever satisfied. And in one sense, you should be because there's other people that need to be uh, encouraged and helped and, and brought the faith. But uh, the reality is we uh, spend too much time focusing on crowds and not enough time focusing on community. And I had, I had this conversation with Greg, a good friend of mine, who once was in a mega church and now much, much smaller setting, never expected that's where he would be in mid fifties. But then he realized, actually, he's uh, more fulfilled now than he'd ever been uh, because he was invested in relationships. And as we know, uh, your life is no richer than your relationships. And we all get hung up on uh, uh, measurements 
uh, that don't matter that much. And we need to be brought back to, okay, what if we did life like Jesus did? Well, we would uh, go small. I mean, uh, it's occurred to you, but Jesus was actually in a small group. Uh, and you'd go small, you, you go slow, and you go strong. And uh, that heart language is what frees life into into all of us. So that's, uh, uh, you know, don't freeze frame me because you see me, anybody, I go, he doesn't know what it's like to be in a struggling situation. Uh, I know what it smells like. I've been there. Uh, I, and my dad had said something like this to me at one point of frustration. Uh, the, these are the words I heard. I can't believe my dad would have said them, but it was translated this way in my, my spirit. You take care of the depth of your ministry and God will take care of the breadth of it. Yeah, I've heard it said this way. You drill your wells deeply, God will irrigate widely. Yeah. And yeah. we worry about the irrigation sometimes. What we need to do is worry about the depth of our, our drilling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the fact is, Zalan, uh, uh, you started out in a small place. And uh, when you started the church in Rocky Mountain, it was a small church. I mean, it was a church plant. What are we talking about? hundred people or less? Yeah, we, yeah, we prayed. Uh, we began actually launched from then First Christian Church, which uh, was our mother church. And we really started strong because we prayed for 150 people and we got a uh, about that number came out either from the church or from the community as they heard about the launch of this ministry. So uh, we started larger than uh, the first church I served. Uh, I started a church with six families, so I know what that feels like. Yeah. Yep. And the result down the line, 20 years of drilling deeply, and uh, and you left behind a church for, for your successor that was well-led, mm -hmm. and that was, what, 2,000-plus strong. Right. So discover the potential of where you are. That's I, th I that that's a takeaway I hear is uh, see the possibilities. Live with two churches that is the one that is and the one that can be, and you live with those in a healthy tension consistently through the years, and you'll have something to show for it at the end of a few years. Yeah, you can only be where you are. <laughs> you know, be good good idea to show up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you and I have talked recently about, uh, about uh, yet another, in fact, this week, yet another uh, well-publicized failure of a high-profile Christian leader. So, uh, you know, we've had uh, Driscoll, Heibel, Zacharias, now Brian Houston this week. Some, some things have come out that have been very damaging. Who knows what his future is at Hillsong, of all places. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, yet another gut punch to yes. body yes. of Christ. Yes. And uh, I remember hearing you at a retreat a few years ago. In fact, I think it was at Camp Como. Uh, you came out and talked about how to, uh, did a workshop on how to affair proof your ministry. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> and uh, I hope you haven't thrown those notes away because that, uh, that was good stuff. And... Um, I actually titled that uh, "How to Have an Affair." It got everybody's attention. Uh, <laughs> well, you took the you took the other approach. Yeah. The how to uh, how to have an affair, which is to be translated as how to affair proof your exactly exactly. Yeah. Well, um, what's happening, Alan? What do you 
what do you think is happening in the souls of leaders as you're engaging with them and as you're watching what's happening on the landscape out there, the leadership landscape? What, what, where's the breakdown? Well, I know a lot about pastors, not as much as Wes Beavis, maybe, but uh, I know a lot. And uh, I'm never surprised, really, at uh, uh, the, you know, the types of challenges and struggles. Uh, at times, I'm surprised at who had them, but I'm not surprised at the type of struggles. I think it really goes back to uh, a lack of rootedness in uh, the word and in heart-connected community. I believe that the enemy is out to isolate us and the isolated leader is the vulnerable leader. It's not if, it's when. And no matter how many times we have illustrations like you just cited, everybody wants to think that won't, uh, hit their house but the reality uh, is we're all more vulnerable than we want to admit however in christ we're also more resourced so if we can believe that the bible actually applies to us and not those people out there if only those people out there if only the people in the church would get it what if the word of God is to be applied to our own heart first. And what I see is a lack of application of scripture. Everybody else needs to be in community, meaning you come listen to me talk, but I don't need to be in one because I'm me. And the reality is that most leaders uh, know that Theoretically, they should be in a heart-connected community, but the truth is either they're arrogant and believe that it doesn't really apply to them in a meaningful way, or more likely, they're afraid of it because if anybody finds out that I don't have a clue what I'm doing, uh, I feel overwhelmed and inadequate. I don't want anybody to know this. As one church planner said to me recently, if anybody knew that there was just a scared little boy inside of me. They'd never follow me. Mm -hmm. And so there needs to be an openness and authenticity uh, that allows meaningful, uh, in-depth conversation. And I've been working on that topic for decades mm -hmm. and uh, had a couple of those calls already this morning. Mm -hmm. I, I think the issue is like this entitlement thing. I could, I could talk a long time about that. Uh, oh my. Uh, well, I took, I took notes on what you said in our conversation the other day. Can I read them back to you? Oh boy. <laughs> as, as pastors, uh, we can preach service, but we don't put in 40 hours a week. We can preach sacrifice, but we're not tithing. We can preach purity, but we're watching the same TV shows that are being watched by non-Christians. We preach love and patience, but we resent the members of our faith community. We preach witness and evangelism, but don't acknowledge the Lord around others. We preach fellowship, but look for reasons to avoid being around our people. It's, uh, 
it sounds a lot like uh, what Jesus confronted the Pharisees and teachers of the law for in Matthew 23, that uh, uh, we don't practice what we preach sometimes. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not a blanket indictment, but my guess is maybe there's a person on this call today that needs to hear that. What do you think? Oh, uh, absolutely. And so my prayer uh, and my journaling this morning and conversation prior to this, that uh, I, I don't uh, want to be uh, a negative factor here. I do want to be prophetic and to say, hey, it's time to eat for you to eat your own cooking, guys. Uh, if you think this is good stuff for somebody else, how's it going for you? And I just happen to know too much about too many pastors. And I know they're not eating their own cooking. I know that. I don't wonder. I know that. <laughs> and that's what uh, gets them into trouble. And yet I want to speak not only prophetically, but pastorally to say, hey, uh, there's help and hope for you. Yeah, you're in a tough season. Um, and certain seasons, situations, people have to be endured. But uh, the model for us is Jesus, mm. who endured the cross, despised the shame. For the joy set before him, he did that. So what's the joy set before you? I think that's a life-giving relationship with Christ first, and then with some others in the body of Christ. And if you don't have that, you're a sitting a duck for the devil. And it's not if you're going down, you're going down. And that's a daily pursuit. So um, I, I, let me just bring you into my world. This is, I have this staring at me. Some of my journal entries from yesterday. I mean, I, I want to like prove to you that I actually do this stuff, what I'm talking about. I actually do this, okay? Uh, and I, as, as in, in just my journals from yesterday, um, I was hit first with the, the message version of uh, Proverbs uh, uh, 21. Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you behind. And uh, I thought of the Pennsylvania Dutch slogan. My mother always quoted, the hurrier I go, the behinder I get. Well, I had a packed day, absolutely packed day. And I was interrupted because I only had an hour of reflection. And, that, and I'm, I'm not bragging on that. I'm saying I need that and more. And uh, it was a blitz of stuff hit me. And as I was preparing for the day, these are the verses that pop for me. And it's from Proverbs. I always read the chapter of Proverbs corresponding with the day's day. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. It's good planning and hard work. Uh, or the NIV, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. Uh, well, I also read through the Bible every year, and I, the passage of grip me in part was uh, Psalm 63. Early, uh, excuse me, uh, oh God, you are my God, I earnestly search for you. And what hit me was the word earnestly. Uh, it's like, okay, am I earnestly seeking God? And the psalmist says, I earnestly search for you. Guys, I have been in a place where I was desperate for God. Help me to understand what's going on here. I was earnestly seeking him and still do. Is that true for you? And then I bumped into this uh, statement. Um, early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. And I thought, I'm sitting in the dark in my isolated place. And I don't work for a church. I don't have a group of elders checking on me. But 
Uh, I retired from leading a church, but not from leading the leaders of churches. I got to eat my own cooking. And th then what struck me in that passage from Luke 4, uh, Jesus went out to an isolated place, and then he has a discovery. I must go to other towns too. When you get to the isolated place, that's when you hear from God. And, and it was fascinating. The very next chunk in that text, he says to the, the guys who are fishing, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. We live in the shallows, guys. How long has it been since you've been in the deep? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know this. The isolated place precedes powerful work. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so the prophetic part of this is, I know that the work that we're doing is life-changing. And if you're not leading yourself, you can't lead anybody else. So quit blaming the church because they don't get it. You got to own this. Are you earnestly seeking God, earnestly seeking him? And are you in a deep uh, community that allows you to be known? And that's, this whole issue of you, if you want to know the common factors for these major Christian leaders who have now fallen off the map, they did not have life-giving community. They did not have it. They did not want it. They didn't seek it. They wanted nobody to know the secrets. And then they came up. Yeah. And they, well, how many more illustrations? And I just pray it's not going to be one of you guys next. Mm. Uh, and it could be. The reality is it could be any one of us, right? Yeah. But it's not, it's not inevitable. And there's the joy. It's like God's with us. He's helping us. But we've got to own this. So um, it, this topic, and do you want to talk about the, the topic of Sunday that we, uh, for your class? Because that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's, I uh, I mentioned when I, by way of introduction that yeah. I was teaching Proverbs 5 on the yeah. That passage and it talks about the temporal or the earthly <laughs> consequences of sexual sin and the bookends <laughs> at the backside of that proverb is the eternal consequences of sexual sin and then in the middle the pleasures of intimacy in marriage so okay. you got you yeah. got the bookends and you got that right. and uh and then when i went to uh, chapter six in your your book i found some really good compatible stuff that uh that I took credit for <laughs> uh, for a while. And then at the end, I, I confess that actually a couple of those lines were not original with me, but uh, yeah. the, well, we the all borrow is, stuff from other people. You ask a, you ask a question uh, on one occasion that I thought was really good for our guys in this called Ponder. If you had an issue, a heart issue, a sin that you were struggling with, do you have the names of three people that you could call and talk to or three people that you would seek out or do you come up dry on that? Yeah. You know, that's, that relates to what you're talking about. These right. guys did not have community and, um, and they didn't have any names. They didn't have anybody to talk to about their, their uh, affinity for drink or pills or uh, whatever. And um, so that, you know, we, can we write down those names today? Could every one of oh, us on this call so, write down? All right, so that, I just had that conversation before this call. 
So here's how this goes. I it's a springs from my journal this morning. This is the companion journal that goes with this thing. And I thought, well, maybe it'd be a good idea if I actually did this. I mean, it's just a crazy thought. Well, maybe I should do this because I meet with a group of guys on Sunday morning. And this is the topic this week. So I uh, this is uh, from chapter six of the book. And it's uh, the theme is choose purity. And I tell about a young doctor I, I know well, who happens to be my son. Um, and he reported that several medical colleagues of his had lost their reputations, medical license and military careers because of sexual misconduct. Our son's a Navy physician. And then he shared with me what he does in his practice to avoid trouble. And uh, some of the specifics, you know, if he's examining a female patient, he always has a female assistant in the room and so on. And then what he does is very interesting, you know, um, how he focuses his mind so that he stays focused and so on and so on. Now, that's, this is real life, okay? This is not a theoretical thing of how do you handle, this is what one doctor does, okay? And I happen to know him. Well, as I got into this, I have to answer the questions in the journal. I wrote the journal, but I haven't done the journal until now, okay? And as I was answering these questions, I, what have you learned from someone who now walks with a limp after stepping into sin? And you know who I thought of? Gordon McDonald. Many of you don't know this story. He wrote a book, Ordering Your Private World. And then he got in trouble. He said later because he was too busy to practice what he'd written. So he's got another book out that was written in 1988. I discovered I got a signed copy of it. I didn't even know it. Okay, Rebuilding Your Broken World. So I start reading this, and I start at the beginning. I looked at the, you know, the endorsements. Oh, by the way, I've got several people on this call who endorsed my book, so you know it's got to have something good in it. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Wes. Thank you. The fifth endorsement, must reading for all Christian sinners, dot, dot, dot. I read it twice, exclamation point. The Reverend Bill Hybels. Mm -hmm. yeah he says gordon mcdonald in his book in the introduction i am a broken world person because a few years ago i betrayed the covenants of my marriage for the rest of my life i will have to live with the knowledge that i brought deep sorrow to my wife to my children to my friends and others who have trusted me for many years i don't want to write that guys mm -hmm. yeah do you so I'm working on the journal and all this stuff starts popping for me. This is real life, real life. And I know that the covenant groups that I've been a part of, we've actually saved marriages and saved ministries. That's what we've done. Are you in a covenant group? And as a result of the last call, we launched a covenant group and they're meeting this week. Um, we got a dozen, not just now, I'm not only the one leading these. We got a dozen others. Steve Hinton's one of them that launches launch groups. Pretty cool. Mm. And you could be in one if you want to. But frankly, uh, most of you are afraid to be. I'll just tell you straight up you're afraid because what if they find out? What if they find out? Mm. I, I don't want anybody to know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me. Uh... Let me thank you on behalf of all of us, uh, Alan. Your prophetic word has come through. Your pastoral spirit has come through. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Mm -hmm. To this end, 
we all toil to present every person mature in Christ. Here it is. Striving with all the energy which he mightily inspires in us. We've got to minister and lead out of soul strength. And if we do, our ministries will be impactful. Whether we're in a small place or a large place, uh, it's, it, the size doesn't matter. High impact doesn't have anything to do with location, size, or anything else. It has to do with whether or not the spirit is inspiring the energy in us to present every person that crosses our path mature in Christ.